Hello, hello, and welcome to this, the 17th. 17th episode of the Weekly Watch List, another pop culture podcast brought to you as always by the very good people at MGA Traffic, your one-stop shop for traffic, transport and waste. My name is Sean Peterbudge. I'm joined as always by Will Peters. And Will, I don't care how you are, what you've been up to, <laughs> because we have got a bumper edition of the news. And Oof. if I ask you how you're I'm going, up. we're going to be recording for hours. <laughs> so I'm just going to assume you're going well. And uh, we're going to get straight into it. How does that sound? Uh, well, it sounds like I really have no choice, so sure. Good. Uh, so, in any other week, there was a slice of news that came out the day or two after we recorded the last episode regarding Warner Brothers and HBO, which, in a normal week, would have been news enough to fill the news segment. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about that a bit later. But then Disney came along on Saturday at their investors' conference. Just bent us over and really showed us what's what. And they basically told us what they're doing for the next 50 years. <laughs> so the, I suppose that the lead items, we'll, we'll go through a few of the, the big ticket items. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars sort of took front, uh, front page news up front, if you will. That uh-huh. was sort of the lead yeah. stuff. And Kathleen Kennedy came out and announced a few different bits and pieces. Obi-Wan Kenobi, which we know is going ahead, will film in the first quarter of next year. Hayden Christensen, who played... Anakin will be coming back in some capacity. He didn't die in the lava? Well, no, because he became Darth Vader. Yeah. But, but I think from my point of view as a fan, what, what it opens up is this interesting, you know, Jedi talk to each other. So I think there's a cool idea here where if you remember in The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, Rey and Kylo Ren had that cool force connection where they... I loved that element. What if... Vader is trying to find Obi-Wan. Yes. And that they're talking to each other, mm. but Vader can't figure out where he is. Yeah. But if he knows he's alive, but I, don't, I can't see where you are. Mm. And there's that quirkiness of their relationship, obviously having been very good friends to now being bitter enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's the Obi-Wan talking to Yoda, talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. I imagine there'll be an announcement of... Liam Neeson joining. Yes. Just his voice, because he, di- he didn't... When he died, he didn't regain his, like, physical form. Mm-hmm. But that's a cool thing they need to explain, how that happens, why that happens, why only certain Jedi can do it. They can answer mm-hmm. a lot of cool questions. Uh, they did a sizzle reel for the Cassian Andor series, which I'm not really terribly interested in. Yeah. Uh, Diego Luna's character from Rogue One, I think there's more interesting characters in that time frame to be making shows about if they want to make a show about the birth of the rebellion. I guess, I guess, believe it or not, there would be more Star Wars nerds than you. There would be. So I guess they're making a lot of this stuff for the real, like, in-depth. Look, any idea on the surface, whilst the name Cassian Andor TV show Mm -hmm. doesn't prick my ears up. No. Anything can be amazing. Yeah. So they can make it. It could be fantastic. Exactly. Um, Rangers of the New Republic and an Ahsoka spinoff. Uh, the Ahsoka spin-off's not new news, I think. Yeah, you were talking about that last week, right? As you? soon as she popped up in live action, you went, well, the next logical step yeah. is her own show. She's mm-hmm. got enough of a fan base. Uh, Rangers of the New Republic is from the same time period. Yep. So there'll be, there'll be two spin-offs of The Mandalorian there. Um, no one really knows what Rangers of the New Republic will be. Mm-hmm. There's some nods and some winks. It could be uh, these sort of uh, New Republic pilots on the outskirts of, you know... Um, popularized space, which could be interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Patty Jenkins, who did, of course, the two Wonder Women films. Wonder Women, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, she's doing Rogue Squadron, which it's pretty sounds like it, that should be good. Should. It's basically just Top Gun, Star Wars. <laughs> so squad, uh, Squadrons, which was a video game, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. They did a sizzle reel for that. That looked unbelievable. Just the dog fighting. Yeah. Um, they did a really nice announcement for that too. Patty Jenkins' father was a naval aviator. So she was doing the whole, she's an, um, an Air Force brat. You know, father was an Air Force pilot. She's got it in her blood. And they did a, they did a nice little sort of announcement for that, which was cool. Yep. That's actually the next Star Wars film, mm-hmm. which would be 2023. There's a Lando spinoff, which a bit like Cassian Andor. I like Lando as a character. Yeah, I saw you tweet about this. I don't really need to know anything yeah, more yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. But again, could be good. Sure. <laughs> um, he's a character that's got a fair bit of charisma about him. And mm-hmm. you sort of go, well, you could be able to make a good show about him because he's a good character. But yeah. a little bit like Solo. So he was in Solo. I like Solo, but it's the most unnecessary. We don't need this to exist. Mm. Like it's, it's totally watchable. It's a nice movie. Do we need it? No. So Lando's a bit like that. Um, Star Wars Visions, an, it's an anime series, which nothing really is known about it other than that. That could be good depending Disney on... Disney just the dipping their toe in anime? Trying to get that sweet, sweet Japanese yeah. market. Um, look, there's enough there. There was a, a many years ago, <coughs> I don't know the name of the artist, but he did like an anime short yeah. based on the old trilogy, just of a, like a sequence. It was amazing. Like it was fantastic. Yeah. Very no, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Very distinct style. Yeah. A lot of people have spoken about uh, the Animatrix, which you may or may not remember. That was a, a um, they went Warner Brothers to yeah. sort of support the release of the two Matrix sequels. Yeah. Went to a bunch of artists and just said, tell a story in the Matrix universe. Yeah. And they're all different arti- artistic styles, different mm-hmm. voices. That was really cool. There were some amazing stories told there. This is a similar thing. Um, being a Lucasfilm property, they confirmed James Mangold's involvement with Indiana Jones. Um, that was that was rumored. That was on the cards. Everyone kind of who wanted to know already knew that. But it, it's good anyway because James Mangold's a fantastic filmmaker. He did the last couple Wolverine films. He did mm-hmm. Ford versus Ferrari, yeah. which was great. Taika Waititi de- uh, is developing his own Star Wars project. Um, I love Taika Waititi, and I'm really that looking forward to see what happens. That could be literally anything. Yeah. Um, a little bit like Mangold, everyone sort of knew that had been spoken about. No doubt it'll have some Aussie New Zealand spin in it with Kiwi characters. Yeah, yep. but th- that had been spoken about a while ago that he's doing something. This is just confirmation that yeah. he's doing something, yep. which is cool. Uh, and then no talk of Ryan Johnson's projects. He was meant to do a new trilogy. He was going to write, write and direct the first one and then produce and write the stories for the next two. Yeah. That was announced back in 2017. There's been no further... That's just not happening. Mm. He's just, they're just, yeah. I think they need to just bite the bullet and go, those projects aren't happening <laughs> anymore. We can't, you can't just pretend you didn't announce them. Yeah. Because they announced them with this big pomp and ceremony. Ryan Johnson's doing this. There's going to be three new films, an exciting far off corner of the galaxy. And you went, oh yeah, okay. And then they just, I think they're just hoping people forget. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then obviously David Benioff and, um, Stevie Weiss, Stevie, is that his name? The guys who did Game of Thrones, um, they exited their project a while back, yes. which has obviously cleared the slate for Patty Jenkins to get her project, Taika Waititi to get his project. Um, 
and a few of those sort of other projects that we didn't really know anything about mm. but are now on the slate. So that was from a Star Wars perspective, so some pretty cool, interesting news there. Not to be outdone, I saw those announcements and went, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, cool. I went and made myself a sandwich. <laughs> and when I came back... What, what was in the sandwich? Tuna and mayo. <laughs> tuna. <Yeah>. <laughs> Big fan. Uh, when I came back and just, you know, flicked open Twitter again, uh, <laughs> Kevin Feige had done his business. Uh, we got a new trailer for WandaVision, which debuts on the 15th of Jan. That looks really interesting. We spoke about it a while ago. I just like that it's something crazy and zany and different. Yeah. And uh, I love the idea that Wanda's obviously created this world for herself to live in. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great bit where she gets asked, you know, are you single? And she manufactures vision. Yeah. Based on that. And she lives in like an I Love Lucy TV show, which becomes a Brady Bunch TV show, which becomes Roseanne. You know, we go through the generations, which is cool. Um, and that will obviously open up the multiverse and yeah. that'll be explored in Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the trailer for that looked good. Trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I loved the trailer. That looked good. Yeah. Um, I just think... I'm a bit. I'm not 100 percent sure which way it'll go. Because Wandavision, I think, will. I think Wandavision's got the strength of just an, abs well, an absurd comic book premise. Yeah. Which in and of itself is fun. The way the film's being set, the show's being set up. The concept for Wandavision is just, you know what? This is a zany, crazy comic book idea, and if it doesn't work, I think people will forgive it. Yeah, we tried. Because I'll be like, yeah. it's fucking just different. Mm -hmm. A bit like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. was so different that people were like, you know what, if it doesn't work, it's just a quirky, curious, silly thing they tried. Mm. But it's so different that it probably will work because it's like, fuck, wow. Yeah. Whereas Falcon and the Winter Soldier looks good. Mm. Like, it looks good. Um, obviously, I think it, it's the kind of, they've got WandaVision being WandaVision and then mm -hmm. they've got like, you know, boys, bash them up, explosions. Yeah. There's probably a couple of hot girls in there as well. Hopefully. Um, that kind of, fits in that hole and then of course you've got the Loki. I'm going to get onto that. Yeah. But with Falcon and the Winter Soldier it definitely looks, <clears throat> and what I liked about it too is it kind of looked like it was not just because it's the title but Winter Soldier was more that old school American mm, mm -hmm. espionage yeah. sort of slash action sort of looks like that which is yeah. good fun. Um, Loki now I'm probably not the only person who saw the Loki news when they announced it and a little bit like what we were talking about with Cassie and Andor <clears throat> sort of went. But you feel like I'll we watch the know. shit out of it. Go, oh, because yeah. Tom Hiddleston is great. The character is great. The door was left ajar, obviously, in the moment in Endgame. But the character also had a complete arc. Yeah, which I feel was, like we already know so much about him. Yeah, and it's my, my concern was I was like, all you can do is sort of undo the brilliant storytelling. Yeah, but like the Loki character had this fantastic closure. Mm -hmm. and was really well done and he died with a sense of utility and he served yeah. the plot and you're like it was a really cool way to kind of end his eight or nine year association with the character yeah. like i said i think we all love his portrayal of loki he seems to love it yeah he wouldn't do it if he didn't um but when you go back in time this is taking us back to a 2012 loki yeah who hasn't really gone through all the character development. Yeah. Who we all loved seeing do that. Well, now we're kind of back to square one a little bit. Yeah. But having said that, what we get in the trailer is this really fun, funky, 
the TVA is the Time Variance Agency. They're like a like a police force. Yeah, Owen that, Wilson. Yes, that, I uh, found that super cool. It was funny to I see. Like he's, bringing, not, he's not he's not old cinema, but like for me, he was in movies when I was super young. He Shanghai was, Noon. Yeah, he was in everything. Oh, I spy. And hadn't really been in a whole lot over the last. He hasn't done much. Other than like the intern, is that the Google one? Internship. Internship. There's that and maybe, that's really honestly all I can think of off the top of my head. You're right, there's no, he hasn't coming done a whole in, lot of coming stuff. Coming into this and back in, like he's kind of weaving his way back in. I loved it. I loved so, his little feature. So they're basically like time police. Yeah. They police time abnormalities. And you got cool stuff, like it was so funny. Obviously, you sent me the tweet, and I tweeted below the trailer. There was that cool moment. I was sitting there watching the trailer, and they had the shot of him inside the plane looking out onto the runway, and there were police cars out on the runway. And I sort of went, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. And then it cut inside, and he had his hair, and he had the glasses on. I went, he's D.B. Cooper. Yeah. And I thought, oh, it's so funny, given what we spoke about in the last ep. Um, That's such a – I think, too, it would be interesting for people outside of America. Yeah. D.B. Cooper is such a big deal yeah. in America. It's this uh, ultimate mystery of like, this man just disappeared. Yeah. With $200,000, he just disappeared. So it was a cool little fun Twilight zone type. Yeah. It was Loki. That's why he disappeared. Yeah. Because it's Loki. So that's that's a bit of good fun. And I think that's, that's a really cool example of what we can probably expect from the show. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to intersect with... Different stories of time. Different true history. Yeah. Like... Um, like in Watchmen, in the movie, it's a bit, it's different in the comic, but in the movie, um, the comedian assassinated JFK. Yeah. In X Men: Days of Future Past, Magneto was trying to save JFK. Yeah. And it's this cool sort of um, fabricated history. Yeah. You know, which is which is a bit of fun, but that looks great. Um, it just looks, it just looks fun. Yeah. So that comes out. I think it's May twenty twenty one. So Marvel are going to be smashing out the TV shows. I think. Mm-hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is March. So WandaVision is Jan. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is March. Loki's May. So I think they're going to go back to back to back. Looks like we're doing nothing for the first six months. It's good. It's good to have something to do. <laughs> um, Florence Pugh, who's playing, effectively she's the new Black Widow. Right. That'll be revealed in Black Widow. Um, she's joined Haley Steinfeld in Hawkeye. So that's probably a way of getting her into the mainstream Marvel sort of canon storytelling because mm-hmm. I think yeah. like I said obviously Black Widow is a prequel of sorts it takes place after Civil War but before Infinity War yeah so they're going to introduce what's her name Natal- what's her name um, um, I've just forgot Florence yeah, Pugh's character's name so she's obviously introduced she was, she's going to take up the mantle and replace Scarlett Johansson yeah um, and Haley Steinfeld's going to obviously be the new Hawkeye yeah so That'll be interesting. Um, that show will obviously play out a little bit later in the year, I think. Um, John Watts, who directed the two Spider-Man films to date and he's directing the third one currently, he will direct Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So the Marvel Fantastic Four, which will be cool. Um, that's an ace up their sleeve. Yeah. That's, that's a film property that hasn't been done well. So a lot of people think... It's not very good. As long as, it's, as, as long as it's better than the last. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people sort of go, oh, yeah, there's been a few Fantastic Four films. Yeah, they're not very good. Mm. And they aren't. Like, the first two are okay. Yeah. But, but they've all been standalone, generally. Generally. Fantastic Four, internally at Marvel, Fantastic Four is like their favourite property. 
It's Marvel's first family. That's their crown jewel, mm. almost. Yeah. So for them to have it back, I reckon they'll knock it out of the park. Yeah. I reckon they'll. This will be. This will blow people away because people will be like, "I've always thought they Fantastic Four weren't very good." And yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Because the versions they've seen haven't been very good. I think mm. this will be phenomenal. Um, I think it'll tie into Peyton Reed directing Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania which by the sounds of things will happen in the quantum realm, I reckon that's where the Fantastic Four have been. I think they've been in the qu- in the quantum realm, which is where they have been in the comics, yeah. and they'll be freed from this quote-unquote prison that they've been in there for... I would fucking love if the Fantastic Four are a 60s thing and they've been in the quantum realm for 50 years. Right. 60 years. And they come out and they're like... It's a bit out of place, out of time. They're, yeah. they're where they're, they're a family from the sixties mm-hmm. that have been for them. It's been two hours. Yeah. But outside, it's been sixty years. Yeah. And they come out and they're like, "What the fuck?" The fuck is <laughs> um, Stark Tower, I think, will become the Baxter Building. Will become yeah. or Avengers Tower will mm-hmm. become their their headquarters. Um, so that Ant Man the Wasp news is pretty cool. It sounds good. I think that'll tie into mutants as well. Yeah. A little bit of talk that Captain Marvel could be a mutant and that'll I be revealed. Really couldn't care less for that mm. franchise. Black Panther 2 will not recast Chadwick Boseman. So they won't have a Black Panther, quote unquote. Yeah. They've just said out of respect to the actor, they won't recast the role. I still love, th- I love the idea of it being Killmonger. Yeah. I love the idea of Killmonger being in that kind of, because he was a Wakandan king for 15 seconds, yeah. being in that netherworld and T'Challa dying and Killmonger seeing it his, and that kills two birds with one stone because without wanting to be insensitive, you get Michael B. Jordan in the role. Exactly. And he's he's a star. Women love him. And he's got the, he can do it. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, I'd like that idea, that quirky idea of he's the bad guy, but he sees an opportunity to answer the call. Mm. You know, I've seen the error of my ways, I've, I've been redeemed and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's all sort of Marvel news, I suppose. Mm. There's a Moana series coming out. I was more excited about that than I should have been. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> I, I, Moana was great. It was great. I Mo- loved it. Moana was awesome. And when I, that news came up and I was like, all for it. It's more cash in the rock's pocket. I was like, help. Well, hopefully, why wouldn't he come back and do it? Exactly. So, fingers crossed, that's that's good. On paper, at least, you look at that and go, that's a very old school Disney thing. Yeah. Where they used to do Aladdin had a TV show, Winnie the Pooh had a TV show. They spun them off mm. and kind of kept the wheels you know, in motion. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. There was an, a Princess and the Frog, I think, is getting one. Okay. And we spoke about a Lilo Stitch live action last week. Um, Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio adaptation starring Tom Hanks is going straight to Disney Plus. Right. Which is a bit like, okay. Mm. Why are you making this movie for one? Exactly. uh, Tom Hanks is obviously just talking to someone and go, let's, um, you know, sort me out. And they've gone, it's Tom Hanks. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Tom. What Tom wants, Tom does. <laughs> um, interestingly, Disney, when they bought Fox, one of the things people don't realise is Fox own a lot of shit. 
Yeah. So silly things like really obvious things like Disney own Avatar. They own The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, yeah, cool. They also own Alien. And they're doing an Alien TV show produced by Ridley Scott and helmed by Noah Hawley, who worked on Legion. It's slated to be set on Earth, but it's in the Alien universe. Right. So that could be literally anything. That yeah. could be That could be awesome. I think they need to. We spoke about Predator, didn't we, about doing something different with it. And that in and of itself is exciting. You're like, just fucking mix it up. Can't keep making the same fucking movie. Set it somewhere else in a different timeline with an alien film. Set it on Earth. Already you're like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Once again, whether it is interesting, we have to wait and see. Yeah. Chris Evans is going to voice the title character in Lightyear, which mm. is a film about the pilot who inspired the Buzz Lightyear doll. Right. I, uh, once again, there's literally just a production still. Yeah. And you're like, there was some talk about it being the Buzz Lightyear doll in the Toy Story series is based on an actor. Right. But the still I saw, I was like, he looks like a Chuck Yeager, like a pilot. Okay. And I was like, that seems to make more sense that Buzz Lightyear, the action figure, was actually based on a NASA test mm. pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that's the way it's going to go. Like, that's one of those things where you read the article and then, like, later on you think to yourself, wouldn't it be better if he was, like, a test pilot <laughs> for NASA? And then you can't remember which one's which. Yeah. Um, but the curious thing about that is that Evans came out and clarified they haven't recast Tim Allen. Mm. And it's sort of like, well, they have. Yeah. Because Tim Allen votes Republican and in Hollywood at the moment you can't do that. Because this is like the 50s. It's like communism. Yeah. Um, which is an, an issue in and of itself. Like, fucking Tim Allen's, he's Buzz. He did yeah. Santa Claus. He did a show. Um, what was the show he did on ABC in America, which Disney owned? They cancelled it. Yeah. It's like, you just, you can't, uh, you're doing it because he votes Republican. Yeah. Yeah, that's the be all and end all he's of it. trying to save his money. <laughs> well, you go, that, you go, firstly, first things first, that's his democratic right. Of course. And whether you agree with it or disagree with it or whatever, Disney have they've cut him adrift because yeah. he votes Republican. So that's it's disappointing because mm. you sit there and my attitude is there was an article that 87 million people are subscribed to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. You're like, fucking fair chance some of them are conservative. Yeah. There's a 100%. fair chance some of you, you know, so where do you draw the line? Yeah. So project that sounds interesting though. Exactly. Guy who inspired Buzz Lightyear. What's it about? No one really knows. I was um, so annoyed. My parents got a whiz-bang new TV last year. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Samsung. Just, it works. It's great. Good to hear. Everything except a Disney Plus works. It's weird. Yeah. So we go to play something and it just loads. Yeah. Like uninstall, install, turn internet on and off. Everything's fine except Disney Plus. So annoying. Is it Although just a firmware problem? I don't know. We have, like, we've called up Samsung, we've called up, di- we contacted Disney Plus as well. They're like, yeah, can't figure it out, rah, rah. So now we just, and, like, even if you go to, like, HDMI onto the TV, it's got some HDMI stuff on there. So basically, you just have to watch it on my laptop, which is the most annoying thing. Google. Chromecast. Chromecast? Doesn't work. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's like, they've got so some sort of, like, property fucking yeah, interference. Yeah. So You would have thought that's just a, sa- that's just a firmware. You'd think so. Bizarre. Because um, all I want to do is just chuck on the Star Wars and just like sit really close and <laughs> just be like blown away by everything. 
<laughs> I like how you're like, the Star Wars. <laughs> I want to watch the Star Wars. Everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> Akiva Schaefer, who you know yes. very well, Will, yes, yes. one member of the Lonely Island, he's going to direct a CGI slash live action hybrid of Chippendale Rescue Rangers <laughs> with John Mulaney and Andy Samberg <laughs> voicing Chip and Dale. <laughs> that, again, could be quite okay. Yes. It's, it's a kid's film in the vein of your Sonics, yep. your Elvin and the Chipmunks, yep. your, what was the other one? Hop and yeah. the like. Hop was good. Peter Rabbit. I've seen Hop and it's very good. All that sort of stuff, but it's Chippendale. And yep. look, John Mulaney and Sandberg, you would expect, would bounce off each other really well. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds like a bit of fun. Uh, it's all happening in Spider-Man, Will. This wasn't announced at Disney because technically it is still a Sony, Sony thing. Yep. Um, Alfred Molina's back as Doc Ock. Kirsten Dunst is apparently back as Mary Jane. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone have reportedly both signed on. Tobey Maguire is apparently all but announced. Yeah. It's all but confirmed. So you sit there going, this sounds fucking terrific. <laughs> <laughs> like this should be. Apart from the fact that my first thought was, we last saw Doc Ock sinking to the bottom of the Hudson River. Yeah. So where they're going to intersect him in the timeline... Is he going to be a good guy? Yeah, like he was in the game. You know, like he was—he was, he was uh, good, but then uh-huh. it's revealed he's bad. Yeah. But all that stuff is—it's a—it's a live action Spider Verse, mm. and it just sounds like it should be really good. I did see a funny tweet. Someone said it's just announced that Tom Holland is having a will have a cameo in Spider Man <laughs> Three. That <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's pretty much what we're getting at this point. I think what would be awesome if is that like just like how kind of Tom Holland came into Infinity War, he's on the bus, you see the hairs go up. If that sort of same thing happens, but you don't know which Spider-Man it is, like you're sitting there going, like, who have they got? Which one is this? Like, or maybe you can tell it's a younger kid just by like, you know, <coughs> just by the look. But then Toby might, Toby Maguire might come in and like he's looking older, you'd think. Um, I, I'd I just love for them to have like a super, super hard to pick I, I would opening love scene. Once I think we spoke about this recently. I reckon they'll tee it up in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Because Sam Raimi's doing Doctor Strange. I reckon the end credits or the final shot or the you know the post credits will be Tom Holland being introduced to either both Spider Men. Yeah. Or one of them, Toby Maguire. I, I I reckon that's the perfect setup mm. is Tom Holland. And the audience being introduced to the idea of the multiverse yeah. with There's Another Spider-Man. It's so good to have post-credit scenes again, like that we don't know what's going to happen. Like we, and, we, we can go two, back and watch all the Phase 3 ones and you yeah. know what's happening, you know who's in and out. But, but like you know what's cool about these <gasps> ones? What you, I, I love it when a, I, when a post-credits actually sets up yes. the next. I, I think they got a bit cryptic. Yeah. They probably got a bit too cryptic where you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking get it. Yeah, but this one here, that's like the showstopper. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange goes, you know, Peter Parker meet. Yeah, Peter Parker, you'd be like, and that's the perfect way as well to end. The, like the film goes black. Yeah, and you go, you walk out buzzing. Even bef- but like only pan up to like the neck, and then it goes, so you don't. Oh, see yeah, I think you need to see him, but at least I don't know. They, then you know what? I, you know what I do? I'd have him take the mask off. From the back or the front? From the front. So you go, like, take the mask off and it's Tobey Maguire. Yeah. You don't even need to say it's Peter Parker because yeah. we know who it is. 
Yeah. So, um, it's Toby Maguire. <laughs> it's Toby Maguire dressing up as Peter Parker. Uh, and then lastly, the news that would have led comfortably had Disney not come and blown us all away. Yeah. Warner Brothers had moved their entire 2021 slate of movies to HBO Max and employed a revolutionary release model, starting with Wonder Woman 84. All WB films will be available day and date via HBO Max. Yes. So a lot of people, this includes June, Space Jam, The Fourth Matrix, The Suicide Squad. Is that the LeBron Space Jam? Yes. yes. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark, which is a Sopranos mm-hmm. sort of prequel. Um, look, I think a lot of people have jumped the gun. This is a short-term model. A lot of people yeah. have said, oh, this is going to kill this cinema. This is the end of cinema. Mm. Steven Soderbergh, the man who inspired this podcast, yeah. he was great. Shout out, Steve. Stout, shout see. out to Steve. <laughs> he, um, he was awesome. He was speaking about it. He goes, no, he goes, because the lure will always be the film, the blockbuster film, yeah, which pays for everything else. Exactly. He goes, the lure will always be releasing your film and having your film make a billion dollars. He goes, that's enough of a gamble for you to want to take it. Mm. And maybe we'll see fewer films released in cinemas or films have a shorter run. Those, quote unquote, you know, we don't want to be disrespectful, but the smaller films, yep. they're not going to get a four, six, eight week engagement. They might get three weeks. Mm. Catch them. And if you don't, they're gone. Yep. But the big blockbusters will always exist at the cinema because that's where the money is. So basically, I think that once again, people lost the. I think they lost perspective because for me anyway, in the short term, films need release dates Mm. and films are placed in certain release dates because there's X number of screens. Like Star Wars opens unopposed because cinema chains want as many screens as they can possibly put it on. Yeah. That's why in America it opens on like 4,000 screens and no one else goes, if I'm releasing a film, I'm going, well, I'm not going to go up against that because there's no fucking screens. Yeah. Star Wars is running back to back to back to back to back in eight of that cinema's ten yeah. screens. And then they've got to cater for A, B, and C otherwise. So whilst there's been a backlog of movies, mm-hmm. there's no screens, there's no release dates. I think it's a sensible move from Warner Brothers just for next year. Yep. But beyond that, you know, they'll go back to the, Standard, tried and true, cinema release, six months home video release, yep. six months um, streaming. They'll go to that model because mm. that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Um, the curious thing that I think some people didn't maybe talk about in terms of being a long-term model is that actors and directors, particularly big-name actors and directors, back themselves. So my quote might be, $10 million, yeah. but a lot of the times an actor might say, I'll take three, so that's seven more million dollars for you to make the movie. Yeah, and then when you make it back, I'll take the rest. And I'll take points. So I'll take two points, I'll take 2% of the gross, or I'll take 5% of the gross. Mm. I'll take 10% of the gross. So If, I'll they, if they feel like it's going to be a big... So I'll back yeah. myself, name above the title, Sean Peter Budge in, whatever the movie is, I'll back myself for that movie to make $200 million and then I'll get 10% of that, which is $20 million. Mm. But under this model, that obviously doesn't happen. Harder, yeah. So as a long-term lens, it wouldn't happen because big big actors, big directors wouldn't work for Warner Brothers. They'd go work yeah, somewhere else. Exactly. So um, we obviously spoke about there being too many films made. Does this correct that? Very, very possibly. 
Um, you know, you make a film for streaming, which Netflix already do, just adjust the production model. And, and Warner Brothers ultimately need to service HBO Max. Disney need to service Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. They need content that is compelling and interesting and good enough for people to keep paying 10 bucks a month. Yeah. So that's just the reality. Um, they need to be more attractive and more competitive, and this does that new content moves the needle. Um, that's all in a bumper news segment. Well, what did you make of it all? Um, I feel like we've just done the whole show. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Quench that thirst you have. You, he's coming. He's coming. Slamming he's coming. down a fruit cup. <laughs> slamming down a fruit cup. He's come home from work, just spoken for twenty minutes nonstop with occasional me talking. He's just gone. <sighs> and exhale. <laughs> Um, just a little bit of news that I saw. Um, I think it was basically the night after we recorded. That always happens. Did you hear about Bob Dylan? Yes. Sold the rights to his music to Universal, $300 million. That's an extraordinary amount of coin for a guy that can't sing. <laughs> Unbelievable songwriter. Yeah, and for someone who really might only do one to two more albums. And I think two... He's gone... Yep, no worries. I've got plenty of money. This will give me the last bit of my money. Yeah. And I can invest. I can do whatever I want with it. And I'll and Universal can take all my streaming money. Because really, I saw something. Um, it was like this, you know, during COVID, uh, artists have been struggling, blah, blah, blah. They only, they get zero. And if you just say, yeah, 0.03 mm. cents per stream. It's nothing. So like the huge, like just say Kanye West. Unless you're Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's had her own problems with streaming, but you'll make, on, on a song, a million plays. You get 30,000 or 300,000, but yeah. I don't know the ma- direct maths, but you make absolute fuck all. It's not a lot. For big numbers. So I that's the, the smartest decision I've ever seen. It's an interesting forecast too, because <coughs> he's one of those, he's one of the older generation, he's one of the older artists who sell records. Yeah. Like ACDC, they had their new album recently. Yeah, I was actually meant to listen to it. It's it's an ACDC record. Have you listened to it? Yeah. If you like ACDC, you'll like it. It's exactly what you'd expect. You're really going to be in the mood. Yeah, but <laughs> um, their record sells because their generation of fans buy records. Exactly. Dylan's the same. Rolling Stones are the same. Those older acts whose markets are accustomed to, I'll oh, buy their record. I'll buy their record. I had a customer during the week come into my work and she was, for some reason, my boss was talking about pink. I can't stand pink. Mum loved pink 10 years ago. Who would she used to like sell out 15 shows yeah, at ridiculous. the tennis she, Australia just loved her. It was bizarre. Um, she's released a new song or a new joint album or something with Keith Urban and all these mums at work were talking about it and one of them was like, oh, yeah, I haven't I haven't asked the hubby yet if I can, um, if I can buy the album. I was like, buy the album? Just buy the album yourself. Or just stream it. (laughs) Why are you paying for it? (laughs) (laughs) You're the scourge of the music industry. Why are you paying for it? Um, But no, you're right. That Dylan thing was really, it's an interesting sort of portent of his, will more artists. I wonder who who told him to do it. It wouldn't have been him. They probably offered. Universal probably offered to buy it. Of all people, Bob Dylan, why? Well, Unless they've just been like sending letters to every artist. Because yeah. like, even an Australian guy used to own Peter Holmes Accord. Did he own part of the Beatles re- catalogue? It was weird. He owned Don't like, know. he, he um, part owned the South Sydney Rabbitohs. 
for a little while. Like everyone does. Yeah, (laughs) I probably own part of it. Um, No, he they they had like a was it the Beatles or was it like the Monkeys, McCartney's catalog or someone? I know. I know Michael Jackson owned the Beatles catalog for a little bit. He bought it. Why not? Well, because this is what people don't. You look at it; it's an investment. Yeah. Because when a radio station plays the song, you get a royalty. Exactly. When a movie wants to license the song, you get a royalty, et cetera, et cetera. It's an investment that, if you're a big enough band, yeah, just keeps ticking over. Because mm-hmm. they have to license the catalog from someone. They license it from you. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting, and and Universal's point of view would be the top-down integration. Mm-hmm. Well, they make movies. Yeah, for sure. Their parent company would make whatever else and it's like we make ads we can we just own his catalog mm. so we can just we don't have to pay anyone for it if someone wants to use it they have to license it from us mm. i think more people will do it yeah definitely um that was my little snippet of news i knew you'd have oh. pages upon pages of news so i just kind of sat here and let you do it too much man um into the picks into the picks into the picks i'll go first i think you went first last week i don't care <laughs> um in the, you know, true spirit of this time of year. You've already um, reviewed Love Actually. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing it again. Um, that's, yeah, if, what, if you follow us on Twitter at, at what I already forgot what it watch is. Watchlist Weekly. At Watchlist Weekly. Um, you'll see that I did watch it a second time this week. I didn't actually sit, physically sit down and watch it. Someone started watching it in my house, managed to get through 20 minutes and said, I've already done this, I don't need to do it not again. Not doing it again. So I went and had a very long shower. Um... I half hour, half hour shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, throwback. Half hour the, shower. The half hour showers when <laughs> when you're on an interstate trip. And you when you're not paying, baby. When you're not paying for that water. Oh god, interstate trips are so good. Hashtag half hour shower. <laughs> um, I you know, there's plenty of Christmas movies going around on all streaming platforms. Um, the Grinch. No. I'm alive. Keep guessing. No, not a classic. Rom-com? Uh, no. Spin-off of a series of movies. Spin-off? I can always guarantee you won't get this. No, I give up. A Bad Mum's Christmas. Oh, wow. So, my mother and father love Bad Mums. They love that whole thing. It's just, a, I guess, a generational thing. Yeah, it must be. Um, and... Everyone was in the mood for a Christmas movie, bar me, in the household. So what did they do? They put on a Christmas movie, and it was Bad Mum's Christmas. So obviously, the first two movies have Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, really not funny. Do not find her funny whatsoever. Was she... Um, She's like the alcoholic smoker. Yeah. Like, uh, was she Walter Mitty's sister? I have no idea. Secret Life of Walter Mitty? I didn't do enough research on it just because I really don't enjoy it. Is she in WandaVision? Keep talking, I'll bring up yeah, the photo. Yeah, if you could do that. Um, so yeah, Mila Kunis, classic, always so good looking. Um, she plays, I guess, the kind of main character per se. Um, and Kristen Bell, who's, you know, Veronica Mars and so many other things. Um, in this movie, they're essentially dealing with all of their mothers. So all of their mothers surprise them for Christmas. Um, and mothers played by Susan Sarandon. Cheryl Hines and Christine Baranski. Um, How do I know that name? I don't know. 
got my footy club's last name, Doransky, if that helps. No? No. <laughs> um, Susan Sarandon's name. Yeah, she's in, yeah, she's the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, Sarandon's character in the movie is called Isis. And they keep on, they, it's just like a running joke in the movie that she's named after a terrorist organisation. I'm sitting there going, not funny. Yeah, well, technically, yeah, that's what <laughs> someone needs to go, well, technically the group was called Isol to begin <laughs> yeah. with. So they rebranded. Um, yeah, it was quite average. It's very, uh, oh, I don't know how to say this in 2020, it's just very like girl power yeah. sort of movie. Um, you know, girl smashing the patriarchy, sticking yeah, it to the man. Yeah, it did, did nothing for me. At all, um, it's those films. Generally speaking, they but like Bridesmaids, great movie. See, this I, I didn't, garbage. I didn't get the Bridesmaids. Love. I didn't love it, but I was like happily watch that again. Yeah, I could, I could somewhat understand why it was so popular. Yeah, but I was, I just remember watching it, being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But these sort of seasonal Christmas movies, especially the Christmas spin-offs, mm-hmm. which have a little bit, there's obviously enough of a fan base. Oh, you could tell it was so rushed. There's enough of a fan base to justify yeah. doing a seasonal... Yeah, I don't even know if it went to cinema. I um, would assume it just went straight to... There's uh, usually a pretty cinema. low bar Yeah, for them to clear. They don't really have to tick too many boxes no. for people to be like, eh, not bad. They pull jokes out of the same barrel they use for the... They use the off-cut jokes yeah. for the blockbuster, blockbuster films. Um, and just chucked them into this. Yeah. It's it's watchable if you love that sort of shit. I didn't I didn't really enjoy it. So <laughs> I can't say you've uh, been terribly no, it's upbeat not a, about it. No. It's I mean, if you've literally got nothing to watch and you wanna you know, if any of our listeners out there have a girlfriend or a wife and they feel like watching something, makes you look good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really gotta get through it. You have to struggle through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do not recommend. Okay, well, I've made that abundantly clear. <laughs> um, my first watch of the week is Mank, something that I've obviously been speaking about for a few weeks now, directed by the brilliant David Fincher. It's available on Netflix currently. Firstly, for everyone out there, yes, it is in black and white, uh, something that I love. No, Will, you might be familiar with my I do like a very good high contrast, high dynamic range black and white capture. Um, there's a great line relatively early in the movie where um, the film is about Herman Mankiewicz and his efforts to write the script for Citizen Kane, the people he encountered during his time as a screenwriter and how various key Hollywood figures inspired elements of Charles Foster Kane. Chief among them is, of course, William Randolph Hearst, who was sort of like his era's um, Rupert Murdoch. Mm -hmm. So... There's a brilliant line early in the film which uh, one of the characters says, you cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope to is leave the impression of one. And it's a really important line because Citizen Kane, the film, and Mank, the film about making Citizen Kane or writing Citizen Kane, are 10 plus 20 years of someone's life distilled into two hours. It is very difficult to capture the portrait of the man mm-hmm. or the person. Um, Gary Oldman stars as Mank. Um, you know, obviously wrote the film that was widely regarded as the finest film of all time and it is an absolutely brilliant film. I highly recommend this film deliberately dovetails with Citizen Kane. Right. If you haven't seen Citizen Kane, some of those strokes... Do so before watching. Well, some of those strokes will be lost on you, like the yeah. deliberate tips of the hat, 
the allusions to various plot points, the allusions to this scene directly informing a scene in the film, mm-hmm. the idea being that Mank has lived this moment or lived this interaction with this character yeah. and has decided to take that element of that character and put it into Kane, yeah. which is great. Um, the film was written by David Fincher's old man Jack, who's since passed away. So it's it's got this really cool sort of like emotional core to it, David Fincher going back and making a film that his father had written that he didn't get to make when his father was alive. Yeah. Um, because we really are, in a lot of ways, your taste is inspired mm-hmm. by your parents, Definitely. what they watched, what yeah. they listened to, what you're exposed to. So this is absolutely a labour of love for David Fincher. Um, basically, the plot concerns Mankiewicz's efforts to complete the script, uh, the ticking clock being that he has 60 days to do so. Yeah. And we see flashbacks very much like Citizen Kane, this unstable um, linear narrative of the plot jumps around, mm-hmm. um, which like it does in the movie, yeah. which is great. Um, and it's just his interactions with heavy hitters in politics and in industry and in the cinema industry, um, you know, the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer guys, William Randolph Hearst, um, you know, various politicians, as I said. And it paints a picture of Hollywood as the political minefield that it absolutely is, you know, battles over authorship and censorship, um, clashes of ego, mm-hmm. how those egos then became caricatures of, of this amalgam of Citizen Kane or Charles Foster Kane, which is very, very interesting and, and why all those things are ripe for satire and spoof, which is always, always good fun to watch. Um, I mentioned the plot, now it jumps around. Citizen Kane came out in 41 and... Nowadays, the jumping narrative is really common. Mm-hmm. Tarantino does it a lot, and yeah. but back then it was not. It wasn't you didn't you made a film? You go where is the start of your film? Yeah. Where is the end of your film? And you just single straight line yeah. through the plot. That's your movie. This was like revolutionary mm. to make a film that jumped around and gave you snapshots of this is who he was at this point of his life. Mm-hmm. Mank once again very deliberately does that which is great. Um, I think, I don't know, I, we spoke about it when I, was, when I was talking about how interested I was in it, that Hollywood on Hollywood is always, when they do it well, is always really interesting. Peek behind the curtain, this is how the industry works. This yeah. is the inner workings of, you all know so much about it from the outside looking in, but you actually know nothing about how it works. Mm. It's like the how to make the sausage sort yep. of thing. You kind of go, after you see it, you're like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Like, geez, that's fucking, that's a hard graft for yeah. people living in that world. Yeah. Um, which is always great. Look, I think, you know, a film about a screenwriter, particularly one that focuses on his writing, arguably the greatest film ever written, it needs to be well written itself. And this absolutely is. It's got an awesome, like, pop and fizz to it. Oldman is fantastic as Mank. She's not the star of the show. But I think the the actor who emerges with the most credit from this is Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, I was just looking at her character. She plays Marion Davis, <coughs> yeah. who was William Randolph Hearst's mistress. Well, she was well known to be the mistress of this really powerful man. And they had a um, very, very close relationship up until his death. And she was, once again, she was the inspiration for one of the characters in Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, without wanting to spoil anything. I mean, there's no such reveals, but there's, there's a few bits and pieces that are probably better left for the film. But there's a great line where all these people start reading the script and they all know you've written this about yeah. 
you've written this about these, these people, yeah. particularly William Randolph Hearst and particularly Marion, who he's friends with, he knows all of them, and he's asked, um, do you think she'll forgive you if you make the film? Yeah. And it's this really poignant moment of he ends up making this celebrated film, he wins an Oscar for it, he clashes with Orson Welles about authorship, about who wrote the script. That's very well documented. This film basically posits that Mank wrote the film on his own. They're credited as co-writers, but that's probably as much to do with Orson Welles' ego as anything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this cool moment of you've made this film about these people you know, the consequences are they're more powerful than you, they have more sway than you. If you make this movie, there's no coming back. They will blacklist you. They won't want anything to do with you, blah, blah, blah. And that's effectively sort of what happened. He made a few films after that, wrote a few things, but nothing major. Um, I loved it. I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, absolutely worth a watch, particularly if you've seen Citizen Kane. I think you'll appreciate it a whole lot more. If not, it's an interesting look behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Nice. So thumbs up. Can't say I'd watch it, but if you like it, that's all that matters. Big fan. Uh, my second watch is something I found on Stan. Um, I realized that Stan has a bunch of Showtime, um, uh, flicks on it. So I've just been kind of sifting through all that stuff. I was watching, um, The Longest War. So again. It's a big fan, man. Um. Comes almost with a war film every second year. Yeah. Second week, sorry. See, I, uh, I just love that shit. Um, so 2020, Aaron 30. Um, Doco feature essentially unpacks the human stories and drama behind America's involvement in Afghanistan, now the longest war in the US history. Um, you've got interviews from ex-rangers, current CIA, ex-CIA, um, lawyers, anyone that could be involved in war uh, in, in America is basically interviewed in this thing. Um, it's got a very big narrative of being a CIA war, um, basically, because the Soviets were obviously in Afghanistan before the Americans. Um, the CIA helped the the CIA didn't want to directly help the Afghan the Afghanis, so they helped Pakistan, who then helped Afghanistan, um, basically fight the Soviets to push them out, and then. There was a uh, there was obviously Al Qaeda who rose and then didn't want the Americans in there helping, so basically unpacks everything from start to finish, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it's a it's a simple uh, it's just a simple documentary. It tells you what you need to know, gives you a really good outline of it. There's um, it goes pretty deep into kind of how uh, the Americans used a lot of kind of torture early days. Um, so it's pretty grim at some points, but... The old waterboarding. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a big, big knock on the CIA. Um, and they do an interview with a, um, with a not a general, like a commander um, over there. And he's super for against all the... Super for the torture and whatnot. And he's got this blistering opinion that they all deserved it they all i was there i'd do it again blah 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 and then it cuts to someone who was just working in intelligence and she found out about it and she couldn't cope so she left 
Um, it's it, and it's still like it still shows how evident the you know Americana propaganda is in America. Still, you've still got it at the moment. War, you know, war is an industry, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. and not just that; it's generational. It's a business. Yeah, it's a career. America have got the biggest army in the world, the biggest army in history. Yeah, going well, they need a war to justify it. And then they've jumped over to Iraq, and that's all you know. Nine Eleven and Bush, and there's who knows what's happened there. So then they've barely even finished the war in Afghanistan, and they're still like putting fires out there. And then they jump over to Iraq. Forget about Afghanistan and there's still shit going on in Afghanistan. But they're still there and then they've been pulled out and put back in. And I suppose ultimately too, it's a, it's a quirky one, isn't it? Because they they need a war yes, to justify the military spending, to justify all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, they actually, they're too big of an army to fail. Yeah. They actually can't, they can't lose mm. as such. But... They're fighting these conflicts that I suppose people don't really understand why they're there, why yeah. we're still there. That's never really justified why. Yeah, and like they had their first, I can't remember when it was, I'm going to say early 2000s, they had their first proper like election and um, and it ended up, and they, they ended up talking to, I'm pretty sure, the Afghani president or prime minister president and they're like, and he basically says, they don't have to be here. It's great that they are here, but if they leave, we'll deal with it. It helps that they're here. It helps with, you know, law and order and That's always the fear mongering, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's and it's the attitude that some you know <laughs> I need to get this out, Will. We're not defending Saddam Hussein. No. But the idea that a dictator yeah. in a certain culture maintains a level of control mm. which then creates order yes. more than an invading army who their mandate is to liberate the people and to yeah. liberate and you go fantastic because he is a despot madman yes but when you depose him you just create the next one exactly or the one after or the one after going it's this you know cut off the head of the snake and two sprout up and you're like yeah. oh it's it's a quirky strange situation where the argument is Yes, we remove him, but who then takes control? Yeah. Because the unrest is more deep-seated than one person. Exactly. And if in Afghanistan, they're also lucky in a point because their average age or something is like 21. Really? Of like the because population? Because so many of their population has died from the war. Wow. So they've got this really kind of young... Um, who should be able to change, you know... Exactly, yeah. the culture. And, you know, there's a couple... Like ten years ago, there was their their first, basically their first TV station, radio station. Yeah, this guy from the UK went over. He was Pakistani by heritage and went over and basically funded everything. And he's had people killed that work for him because they work for the media and it was Al Qaeda that did it all. And it's just, it's super eye opening into something that I, since I've known America's been there, since I've lived, they've been in Afghanistan. Well, they're the Middle East, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so is it interesting that point you made about the news? I was just thinking about this recently. I was I was riding around and I thought to myself, "Don't how do I say? Don't watch the news." And I remember thinking to myself, "God, I was like, I haven't watched the news in like a while." Yeah. 
I remember thinking, why, why did I stop watching it or did I just, nothing's on or I'm watching something else. And I thought, I reckon I subconsciously made the decision to not watch the news because it's all just bad news. Especially this year. <laughs> no, but like generally, seriously, if you watch the yeah. news of a night time, yeah. there's very little about it that's good. Mm. There's very little about what we're told and what's normalised yeah. that's actually good news. Like a lot of it's it's fucking like depressing. Yeah. If this is bad or the climate's this or and like not putting our season. not putting our allegiances no allegiances on on the public. But I think now that Trump isn't in anymore, maybe that'll change. It won't be as bad. Well, that's a great example. The last four years, Trump is in. Everyone's like, oh my god. But the the negative narrative, yeah, was overwhelming. Yeah, and you're like, Jesus Christ. No wonder you're all depressed and yeah. everyone's you know so hard up and anxious all the time because mm-hmm. all the news that we are fed, yeah, is negative. Exactly. So you look at that and you go, the news service comes into those places to liberate, to tell a more partisan story. Yeah. And you go, well, there would be elements within the established culture who wouldn't want that to happen, Mm. whose attitude would be, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. No, we control the narrative. Yeah. We can't have you, like, saying, you know, we're doing this, this, and this. Mm. So it's, it's, it's an interesting point of view. So, um, yes, super eye-opening into something that I had a very, very limited knowledge about. Um, again, we've always banged on about how much I love anything war-related. Um, so if you also find yourself liking anything about history or um, any sort of war, highly recommend The Longest War on Stan. It's a Showtime special, um, 90 minutes, so it's fairly easy to knock out. Um, and it's, yeah, well, well worth a watch. So that is my second pick. Sean is just finish off an email. For those yes, 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 yes. I've got a tweet I've got to show you later. It's quite <laughs> Um, my second pick of the week is La Bamba, one of Faber Ganoush's favourite films. Shout out to Faber Ganoush. Shout out. Um, I was over at his place and, uh, I don't know how we ended up watching La Bamba, but we did. He's long spoken about this film glowingly. It's one of his faves. He and his wife, Kelly, big, big fans. <laughs> um, basically released in 1987. Uh, it's as much as a, of a bio as you can make about Richard Valenzuela, who uh, the world would know as Richie Valens. Yeah. Obviously the uh, early kind of rock and roll pioneer. Um, so it is, on the, it is on the song. It is based on like the... Well, well, he didn't write La Bamba. Right. He, he played it, which is a standard at the time. Okay. A lot of acts would play each other's songs or yeah, yeah, you would yeah. write a song and you would buy the music and you would do yeah, a version yeah. of it. It's very, very common. Um, look, La Bamba, it's not great. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. It's, <laughs> it's, basically, <laughs> it's basically an MOW. It's what's, ba- what's Fab's opinion on this? He loves it. Right. Okay. It's, it's basically a movie of the week. It's like a midday movie. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's kind of like the little movie that could now, my main not problem with it, it's not a problem that I have with it as such, but the problem with the film, Richie Valens was killed at 17. He was, yeah. in, he was in the plane crash with um, Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper the day right. the music died, yeah. with all three of them, like, horrible tragedy. But he was 17. The film starts with him as, like, he's 16. So there's actually not a whole lot of story to tell. <laughs> we basically meet him. He gets a little bit of minor celebrity. And he dies. And then he dies. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's a tragedy. That's awful. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, we, I spoke about Citizen Kane and, and Mank. You contrast that with 
know, the epic portrait of Charles Foster Kane told over decades. Yeah. And you get this full snapshot of like this man and like I said, where he was and who he was at various points in his life and the deterioration of all these relationships and how it made him lust for power and stroked his ego. And you're like, Richie Valenzuela was just like a really happy-go-lucky young guy <laughs> who was killed in a tragic plane crash. It's Interesting. It's, it's bizarre, but I think the story ultimately hangs its hat on the whole what could have been. Yep. So, And that's fair enough. Like this idea of a young kid killed at 17, his whole life and his career ahead of him, mm-hmm. what could have been? Yep. What were we deprived of when he was killed? Noteworthy because the score was done by Carlos Santana and yep. uh, Los Lobos, which is a nice touch. All the music and it's really good. And here's the biggest thing. I was doing some investigative work. Yeah. This film was fairly successful when it was released. It made $54 million in America Cheapest. in 1987, which is good scratch. Yeah. It grossed more <laughs> in the US market... <laughs> This ordinary movie of the week <laughs> grossed, Fab's, Fab's fave. grossed more money in the US market than Wall Street, Inner Space, The Princess Bride, The Lost Boys, The Running Man, Arnie, yeah. Planes, Trains and Automobiles, The Golden Child, which is Eddie Murphy. Eddie uh-huh. Murphy's a huge star in 1987. <laughs> Spaceballs, Mel Brooks film, The Living Daylights, grossed more than a James Bond movie, <laughs> uh, Dirty Dancing. Jesus. And Robocop. It grossed like $3 million less than Predator. My God. La Bamba. It's, it's on the National Film Registry as well. It's, <laughs> it's like it's basically been put into this National Film Archive because it's like culturally important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was also nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Picture. Cheapest. Bizarre. Truly wow. bizarre. Um the undisputed highlight of this film and deserves special mention. If Fab is listening, he'll he'll tip his cap to this. Yeah, you can't talk about La Bamba and not mention the performance of Si Morales, who <laughs> plays Richie's half brother Bob. It is the greatest supporting actor turn I have ever seen. The film is deeply mediocre. Yeah. Um. Oh God, I've just drawn a blank on the guy that plays fucking Richie. Um. um hold on, I just had it up. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. Not a bad actor. Went on to do Young Guns. Uh S.I. Morales plays Bob, his brother. Yeah. If you didn't know any better, you'd think the film is about Bob. (laughs) Because he's like a razor blade. He cuts through the film. When he's not on screen, he's sitting there going, where's Bob? (laughs) What's Bob doing? He turns up. He's he's like a fucking weather phenomenon. He's flies he's a hurricane he comes through the film he tears shit up uh-huh. he is phenomenal he steals yeah. every scene he's in <laughs> it's he genuinely I, I don't say this lightly yeah heath ledger like you know like in the dark night you're like every where's, scene where's it, the joker? like where's the joker yeah like what's he doing where is he that's what I was like with Bob. I was like, where the fuck's Bob? I'm sure, shout out Bob if you're listening. Shout um, out to S.I. Morales. Yeah. Because you were phenomenal. <laughs> he's just, he's fucking dynamite yeah. in this film. And you're just sitting there going, I just need, can we have a spin-off of Bob? Like, what's Bob doing? Because like, Richie died at 17. Bob went on to live. Yeah. At least another 10 plus years. <laughs> this film covers six months. It's fucking amazing. Imagine if we had 10 years of Bob's life. Absolutely outstanding turn. Shout out to S.I. Morales, the hero <laughs> of La Bamba. <laughs> La Bamba. Um, so we finally watched it. He'd been telling me to watch La Bamba for some time. We did. It was pretty ordinary. 
Uh, it was saved by that one performance. I can't believe how much money it made. Did you stream it or does, or does Fab have it in like a golden case that you like I dust think off? I think he's got the original negative. <laughs> um, so we got the 35mm projector. In. <laughs> no, uh, um, I think we streamed it. I think right. he, he's probably got it on DVD. He yeah, loves yeah. it, genuinely. He and Kelly, it's one of their favourite films. I just... There's not a lot happens because, like I said, he's dead at 17. <laughs> it's like, it's not like you meet him as a little boy. It's not like Coco, you know, like where Coco's learning um, the kid. Yes. He's like learning to play the guitar as a child. And you're like, I just chose to imagine that, <laughs> that up, you know up until about he. 1 to 16. Yeah, like up until he went into the afterworld yeah. in Coco. Just the bits where he's in the local town square and he's <laughs> shoe shining and he wants to enter the guitar contest. I'm like, that's Richie Valenzuela as a child. <laughs> and then we don't hear from him for like five or six years. And then we pick the story up a bit later. Um, but all it did actually was make me just... Have you seen Walk Hard, Dewey Cox? Think briefly. Phenomenal. Like maybe in and out. When you watch that. when you watch like a Ray LaBamba, Buddy Holly story, yeah. Walk the Line, Bohemian Rhapsody, Walk Hard is the greatest like spoof film yeah. ever made the right. f- it's phenomenal because all it does is effortlessly tear to shreds all like the pillars of these um music bios yeah. it's brilliant so as i said i was watching la Bamba and it just made me love walk hard even more out of 10 what do you got it imdb has it as 6.9 very generous oh uh, look honestly i'll give it two and a half out of ten <laughs> it's not very good Bob, the character of Bob, read one of the IMD, one of the IMD, like, they're just full of praise for this guy. They're like, this character was fantastic. This actor was magnificent. <laughs> so as Richie, as Richie becomes famous, Bob begins to resent him yep. and it provides the film with some of its most powerful and heartbreaking scenes. Uh, uh, heartbreaking, perhaps. Entertaining, definitely. Um, a movie very dear to me, 10 out of 10. Uh, great biopic, La Bamba. Can't see a lot about Bob, I'll be honest. There's one of the one of the captions is something about S.I. Morales steals the show. Fantastic. <laughs> Gives He's the best performance of his career in this 1987 movie about Hall of Fame rock uh, Richie Valens. Morales plays Bob Morales, half Richard Mayor. Bob is a drunk who feels he as if he's in the shadow of Richie due to being Richie's due to Richie's musical talent and success. Yep. Um, he was in the movie a ton. Yeah, well... One of the captions... Well, I think one of the comments was like mine where it said, if you didn't know any better, you'd think that the film was about him because <laughs> he's the most compelling character Multifaceted brotherhood drama story. He's literally... The, he's the most compelling character in the movie. As I get older, the more I identify with Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I did funny. say to Fab, it was one of those... Um, <laughs> it's one of those films where... Obviously, it's about Richie... It's about Richie Valens, <laughs> but... Yeah, I always call the main character the title of the film. <laughs> so you'll be like, you know, like La Bamba died in the plane crash. <laughs> or like, okay, what's a good example? Death Wish is a good example with yeah. Charles Bronson. I don't, don't know what Charles Bronson's character's name is in Death Wish. <laughs> so I just call him Death Wish. <laughs> so it's like, you know, La Bamba played the, played the fair or La Bamba, he had his first gig. And you're like, yeah. it's not his fucking name. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, uh, not very good. God. Give us your last pick. Uh, last pick um, was scrolling through Ko the other day. Um, shout out Ko, love ya. Parents still haven't got rid of you, so winning. 
Um, that is a good result. Yeah. We spoke about that weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think my grandparents have started using it, so my mum feels too guilty to uh, to get rid of it um, because fucking Cricket Australia have signed an absolute dog shit deal um, for Test Cricket. Anyway, uh, realised that ESPN's 30 for 30s were on there. Yes. Um, weird you can't get them on Foxtel Go. Super weird. Although Foxtel Go is a bit better lately. Someone probably complained. Probably. Because... I wanted to watch a 30 for 30, which wasn't on Foxtel Go, but it was on KO. Right. So I had to do the free trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and as of late in the sporting world over the last kind of month or two, boxing um, is kind of trending. Uh, you got Floyd Mayweather. He's just signed a who exhibition match with who, Logan Paul. Who is going to watch this? Anyone that wants to watch Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. So majority of the boxing not, world, but it's Floyd. This is the problem with Floyd Mayweather. He is so boring to Have watch. Have you been guys. on his, on his Instagram? He's got a strip club in Las Vegas. Really? That is his last like six posts since get, announcing the fight. He's got to get people through the door, man. He must have no money at all. Got to get people through the door. Um, but who's going to watch him fight Logan Paul? Like legitimately? I will. You're not going to pay to, are you? No. <laughs> God no. <laughs> but who like Floyd Mayweather isn't an exciting boxer? No. He's an exceptional well, it used to be he's a bit old now I'm watching it for Logan Paul because I, I, I've been watching the guy for five years he's six a years. jerk off he was oh mate content's like, got a lot better he he very good podcast shout out oh whatever <laughs> he he doesn't need any fucking shout outs we need shout outs <laughs> he needs to give us a shout out um, Floyd Mayweather is obviously not so much now because he's gotten older yeah but in his prime like he was an exceptional boxer oh 100% but he was also really boring. Yeah. Like he's, he's, really he's, boring he's a defensive boxer. boxer. He evades his way to Outstanding. Wins. Like yeah. genuinely one of the best ever classic pound for pound stuff. Yeah. But he's so boring to watch. Yes. So him fighting a YouTuber. Who is like, he, I think Mayweather's five foot nine, Logan Paul's six four. And he another 50 pounds heavier. It's well, gonna, mate, it's gonna be Floyd Mayweather already fought the big show at WrestleMania. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting fight. Anyway, uh, chasing Tyson. Have you seen this Which one at all? Which one's that one? About um, Evander Holyfield. Yes. Yes. Have you seen the forty-two to one? No. Is 40, that another thirty for thirty? Yeah, or? forty-two to one's about James Buster Douglas, who right. was forty-two to one to beat Tyson. Yeah, and he beat him. Yes, who also features in because that might. Because the chasing Tyson, they kind of intersect a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I I loved it, and it's yeah. I just I've also started boxing as a way of Ooh. getting fit. So I'm just in a boxing mood. Um. I like hitting stuff. Okay. Hopefully, um, <laughs> that's one of my fa- favorite. Shit. What was it in? It's a comedian or someone. There's all this great story about. Like wanting to be, it might have been comedians in cars getting coffee. I don't know who right. said it, but it was a great okay. line yeah. where he goes, "Like you have this dream, you want to be a comedian. I want yep. to be a comedian." Mm-hmm. And boxing's a bit similar. It's like, where do I start? Hundred percent. Like, fuck, how do I get started? Yeah. And this guy goes, "Like, you know, the classic story about the guy who always wanted to be a boxer, always wanted to be a boxer until I fought someone who really wanted to be a boxer." <laughs> like I, there is the option at my gym to do sparring. I don't feel like I want to spar at the moment. I Not just, at that level just yet. I just like a bag that doesn't yeah. hit back. It's stationary heavy bag. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have arms. Can't punch <laughs> exactly. you in the head. Um, the most it does is swing back at you when you punch it hard. You know my problem with like 
I watched Chasing Tyson, I don't know about you, I got frustrated because it was everything to me that's kind of wrong with boxing in that you waited too long to fight. Yes. It's like, yeah. obviously they didn't foresee Tyson yeah. going to prison. Exactly, a wanker. But you're like, you waited too long yeah. to have your fight and it cost you money, you obviously end up getting but paid. But then, really, if they fought the first time, they wouldn't have waited too long. No, exactly, but you see the go like Pacquiao and Mayweather. Yeah. You waited too long yeah, to fight. definitely. There's history's littered with these examples. Yeah. Like, you know, you know what would be the biggest thing in boxing for decades? If Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury mm. fought to unify the heavyweight championship of the world at Wembley Stadium, they're both from England. Yeah. It would be fucking sold out. There'd be 120,000 people there. It'd be the biggest heavyweight fight in decades. Mm-hmm. It could potentially save the sport. But they won't do it for some reason. They won't do it. <laughs> well, Fury's over the last like 48 hours has been calling him out and stuff. So. That's what I mean. But you can see you go, this should be so easy. They will. They'll have, they will. I know that COVID's put the spanner in the works. But you're like, Especially in Europe. this Ugh. should be the easiest thing in the world to go to Britain's yeah. Wembley Stadium, August, you know, sunny night, to unify the heavyweight championship of the world. Yeah. Fuck it, it'd be the biggest payday in boxing history. I think they, I saw something today on ESPN, I think. If it all sorts out, it's going to be upward of like 100 mil, 100 mil each. Crazy. Um, like easily. Because like I said, the, the gate. Who pays that? So it's a combination of everything. So the gate, the pay-per-view buys, yeah. et cetera, like sponsorship. Merch. <laughs> buy the t-shirt that they would se- Wembley would sell it Wembley's a 90,000 seat yeah. stadium 90,000 seats yeah that's not counting what they would put on the pitch exactly they would sell that out in a heartbeat it would be amazing it'd be it will it will happen and you sit there going once again I get that COVID's yep. complicated things be like if you fuck it, if we're sitting here in three and four year time and it still hasn't happened no. and then one of them's lost the belt you know part of the carrot is it's to unify the heavyweight championship of the world. What's crazy though is that when Joshua is fighting, he and it's against some other random other than Klitschko. Everyone's like, "Ah, oh, Joshua's so good." Fury, Joshua, people will, Joshi, Joshua will be the hated one. You know what it is? It's in to use a wrestling. People term, love Fury. To use a wrestling term, they always, particularly in these big, like WrestleMania feuds, yeah, yeah, yeah. they always like someone to work heel. They always want the audience to have it's a good guy and there's a yeah. bad guy. Very, very, they don't, generally, they don't want a face and a face. No. They want there to be a good guy and a bad guy. This is as close as you might get yes. to it being face-face. Cause just, just. Because generally every other fight is, there's a good guy, there's a bad guy. Yeah. Um, but no, like I said, I, you've digressed. Um. I, th- I thought that doco was really good. Yeah. So, um, obviously, yeah, Chasing Tyson, for those wondering. Um, t- 30 for 30 on KO, season three, episode four. Um, I didn't know. I thought they were just like random things released. Clearly, they're in seasons. Um, explores the years that Evander Holyfield spent trying to arrange his first fight with Tyson. I'd forgot about uh, the character <laughs> of Dom King. Yeah. He's hilarious. Um, when I was growing up in New Zealand, there was a a comedian over there that uh, Islander or some sort. He 
had this character of Dom King and I didn't really know who he was then, but looking back at it now, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, he was a f- he was one of the biggest stars in the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolute nut job. He's still alive. 89 years old. Um, still have the crazy hair. Yeah. Up high. Looks just, basically looks the same, just more older. Height. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, the hair isn't as high, um, but it's still yep. up. Um, yeah. Couldn't recommend it anymore. I like it's got a seven point four on uh, IMDb. I'd give it an eight and a half. I'd give it an easily an eight. Yeah, because it is interesting. It's that you sit there going like Tyson. Very very few athletes. Yeah, there's a great doco just called Tyson. Yeah, which isn't a thirty for thirty. No, but very few athletes get to the level he did, where every time he fought was box office. Yeah, like the whole world. Yeah, every time he fought. The whole world, I've got to watch it. Yeah. Have to watch this guy. You have to see this guy. And then when Holyfield comes along and he's like a, a credible opponent, everyone was like, this is going to be great because he's fought these others and he's beaten them up. This, yeah. this guy might be able to actually, this guy might be able to hang with him. Yeah. And they just put it off, put well, it it's off. It's the same. He fought Buster Douglas. Yeah. He lost to Buster Douglas. And then all of a sudden, just a bit of air has been let out of the balloon. Yeah. A little bit of... Everyone wants to be the one to beat him. Yeah. Well, he's been beaten. And then Holyfield ends up beating Buster Douglas. Yeah. And you're like, he's champion of the world, but he was meant to beat Tyson. Exactly. And I completely forgot. I knew that Tyson bit ears. Yeah. I completely forgot that it was Holyfield. So in that last bit where they're fighting, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, the fight. And then... You see Tyson just lean in. I'm like, oh my god, this is the this. Because <laughs> don't they explain the in in the first one he was frustrated because Holyfield was like headbutting him. Yeah, but then though, but then he, he's he's interviewed at the end of the first one, and he goes, "Oh, I was kind of headbutting him too, so whatever." It's all yeah, like, yeah, e- but he's, even Steven. But his frustration was in the second one. He was frustrated because he was trying to cut was, him. Yeah, because no, because Holyfield was just too good, and he. Oh yeah, yeah, but he, but his attitude wasn't his attitude that Holyfield was trying to cut him. He's trying oh, to he- yeah, he's probably. trying to headbutt him too, which is a bit of a no no. It's like yeah. a bit of a. But then the ref allowed it, so there was actually an awesome moment. Chasing Tyson is great. Yes, I think it's better than forty two to one, but forty two to one's an interesting, like, sidebar. It's an interesting yep. sort of fills in the blanks um, of what happened with that particular fight. There's a really interesting moment there where. Buster Douglas was beating Tyson because Tyson, like, I think he had, like, gonorrhea. He was just, like, he was just yeah. nowhere. He thought, I'll roll in and I'll beat this guy. Yeah, yeah, um, Buster Douglas, like, trained, like, the house down <laughs> for this one shot. It's like Eminem. Yeah. Um, Rolling his sweater. Nice yeah. spaghetti already. And uh, he, Tyson did knock him down. Mm-hmm. And he probably should have been counted out. Yeah. But the ref, there was a, Fair bit of leeway. I, I don't think he got to the standing eight count. No. And then Tyson's one later was pretty much the same thing, but he was counted out. You're going... Did you see the undercard of the Tyson Jones Jr. one? Yes. Last week? Yeah. Jake Paul? Ridiculous. Nate Rob- like, Nate Robbins should have been counted out the round before. And well, then mate, just, they should have just, been And fine. then he just walked into this hook mate, and just absolutely talking, killed him. You're talking about it like it's a proper fight. They shouldn't have been fighting because one exactly. of them's a basketballer and one of them's a fucking YouTuber. Yeah. Why this is even being sanctioned by anybody. I guess they've, they've like, technically they have a professional career. Oh, this is the problem. They, this is where boxing's at. But why can't they? 
Why can't they because go? People I want to be a boxer. Seriously hurt, and I think, to be honest with you, I think it dilutes the credibility of the sport. That's my thing. My thing is like this is boxing is a very serious. Anyone can go get drafted. Anyone can get picked up randomly to the NFL. No, you can't. I can't just enter the NFL. I can't just go to Bill Belichick and go, "Hey, Bill, Bill." Yeah, but if you do your, if you do your, Bill, (laughs) I want to play wide receiver, and Bill doesn't just go, "Sure, not a problem." But if you go to preseason camp, get picked up, that's fine. Oh, mate, I just think, I don't know. I just think there's a little bit more class and heritage to the sport, and I think that your Jake Pauls of the world and your KSIs of the world are diluting the prestige of boxing by deciding they want to be a boxer because it's going to drive clicks to their but YouTube they're never But they're never going to put the traditionalists in boxing are never going to put but this is the problem. these they're YouTubers n- under Fury Joshua. But this is the problem though. If you want to be a boxer, like that's fine, be a boxer. But don't fight other part-time amateurs. Like fucking fight someone for real. Well, that and and that's the thing now. Fight Butterbean. So, someone, so, someone in Logan Paul's camp said, "Congrats to Jake. That's great. You won your second fight. But you now have to fight someone with some credibility. You have to actually fight a boxer. Yeah. But then now there's like UFC fighters going. Oh, I'm going to fight him next. But this is because it's all about a payday. Exactly. And that's what I mean by I just don't like that as such. But you got like even. Um, CM Punk, the wrestler, yeah. when he did UFC, and it was like, we got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And you're like, tip the cap for giving it a go because that takes balls. The guy from Geordie Shaw went into UFC and he didn't do yeah, half bad. Yeah, but be like, mate, yeah, that takes balls. Yeah, 100%. Unbelievable. To boxing, UFC and the like. To actually yeah. enter a competitive combat sport, Yeah, full credit to you, but you are going to get hurt. Well, the thing is as well, back to Logan Paul, he was like, he's a state... Champion in Ameri- in being a college jer- being sports, a jerk off <laughs> in wrestling. So he like he he. There's this video of him sparring with um, some big Brazilian dude. Forgot his name. Anderson Silva. No. Anyway, Kimbo Slice. <laughs> Kimbo Slice is dead. I'm pretty sure. Um, anyway, yeah, I think he is. Logan Paul's like actually he's experienced in combat sports. So that's his one little like kicker that he's got. Everyone else is just like yeah, they're definitely YouTubers. Like case I was opening packs, in FIFA packs in his room. Oh, like a ago. really? That, that's how. That's he, how he got famous. Wow. Yeah, he's a FIFA YouTuber. Anyway, Jason Tyson, thirty for thirty. You can find it on Ko if you have Ko. Don't know where else you'd find a thirty for thirty. They're hard to find. Yeah. yeah. Um, highly recommend. I second that recommendation. I thought Chasing Tyson was very good. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those thirty for thirties generally they are. Yeah, there's some like really niche like baseball NFL ones that I'm like I don't know enough about the story yeah. to want to watch it. They have to, and those ones have to be really, really well told. Yeah, because as for us, I don't know enough of the context. Exactly. Yeah. So, but at least Tyson is like you know. Yeah. So you see Tyson, you go okay. And he's we're we're far enough away too from Tyson's pomp for there yes. to be a little bit last dancey. Yeah. There's enough definitely. mystique about who this guy. I know Mike Tyson, but I don't really know. I didn't live yeah. through exactly. the hysteria. I lo- I loved at the end how Tyson was um really he applauded Holyfield. He's like he's just he should have been he should be regarded so much higher than he is. I think it was just the controversy, wasn't it, around the fight and and then Lennox Lewis beats him and it's like it's like you, when you think about it, you think anyone that is in the same draft year as like Matt Rowell, mm. 
they're gonna mean you can't forever. They're gonna be. They'll they'll get noticed by the you know in depth analysts, but to Joe Blow reading the Herald Sun, all they're gonna know is Matt Rowe. They're not gonna know the second or third best person yeah, totally. in that draft. Like obviously, you know, I'm well, I'm a Carlton fan, and me and Fab and, and Tim as well. Occasionally, we'll talk about a guy like, um, from our point of view, someone like Mark Murphy. We're always like, if he played for Hawthorne, yeah. Well, he's got this reputation. It's this really weird reputation. We like now he's a fucking good player. Yeah. But because he played at an ordinary club, he's not regarded. You know, you go no. well. Fucking, he's a really good footballer. But yeah, that that same sort of Definitely. thing. Definitely. Uh, my last pick of the week is a, a relatively short one because it is niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I've long spoken here about my fascination with the wrestling industry. Yeah. How I <laughs> hate wrestling as such but I like everything else about the industry. <laughs> the actual bit where they wrestle is really, really boring. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin has on the WWE Network a podcast show Ooh. called The Broken Skull Sessions, and he interviews all sorts of different people. You know, Stone Cold, I might have to do this. It's really good. Um, he, he interviews former wrestlers, all yep. sorts of people. He's also got his own standard podcast. Trish Stratus? I don't think she's been on, but he's... He's really he's a really good interviewer. He's quite natural, particularly when he speaks to wrestlers of his vintage. Yeah. And this one I watched. He's done two with the Undertaker. Yeah. They basically just talk about the Undertaker's career. I saw a picture of a buried alive thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, they basically just go through his career, mm-hmm. funny anecdotes on the road, funny anecdotes from backstage, anecdotes about matches, their matches, working together, particular angles that he worked with someone else. Yep. Um. And like I said, for, for someone like me who loves all that behind-the-scenes stuff and all the old funny anecdotes and all the old, you know, uh, road stories and the like, like I said, Stone Cold's probably my favourite of all time. And, yeah. and he's he's really fun to listen to because he, he just knows his stuff. Yeah. He can sit there and talk business because he gets it, because he lived it, because he lived being the guy who wasn't getting a push. He lived being the guy who got the flick in yeah. WCW. He lived being the guy who... They didn't know what to do with my character. Or yeah. like I was going nowhere to figuring it out. He lived through the guy being the top of the card, the yeah. biggest name in the industry. And then he dealt with a slide yeah. of, you know, like his career coming to an end and then being the feature. Not not dealing very well with mm. I'm no longer the top of the card. Yeah, yeah. Um he tells a really good story actually about how they wanted to and he's been really open about it, you know, all the years that have passed. Speaking about, um, they wanted Brock Lesnar to beat him, like in his first year yeah. on an episode of Raw. It was like a King of the Ring qualifying match, and Austin's creative was going nowhere. Like it was, he wasn't happy with how his yeah. character was being written, and um, he like walked out on the company. Yeah, because he was like, "You're going to give that match away. We're not even going to build to anything. He's just going to beat me." Yeah, and he himself has admitted, you know, the ego behind that and the yeah. problems that. He was protective of the character, and he didn't. He, he probably realized his time was coming to an end. And he has all these similar conversations with the Undertaker. There's two of these episodes. They're both really, really well done. If you like that era, and if you like those characters, and particularly in the case of the Undertaker, who did a really good doco series on WWE Network as well, but he very deliberately hasn't done a lot of media. No. And he says that he goes, "I haven't done it because that's the character. The character is." Dress, he goes, I dress all in black. Yeah. He goes, I travel on my own. He goes, that's the character. And he lives it. He lives this gimmick. Yeah. 
and to kind of peel the layers off that now as his career is over, um, having not really heard a lot of these stories over the last 30 years, uh, is really interesting watching, really interesting listening. Like I said, it's podcast form, there's video form, um, Broken Skull Sessions, absolutely fantastic. If you like wrestling, like I said, if you like those characters, you'll love it. Mm. I I I loved my era of John Cena, Edge, Orton, Kurt Angle, like the end of Kurt Angle. Carlito? (laughs) Carlito and... uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero? Kofi Kingston. Um, I loved my era, but I would have loved the... That Stone Cold, the Attitude Era. Yeah, I would have loved. So you're more of the. Um, I got the and I got like the rebirth of Degeneration X as well. Yeah, so you're you're more the ruthless aggression era. Yes, is what they how they. I don't, yeah, it. I don't. I don't know the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the the Attitude Era was like ninety seven to oh one ish. Yeah, oh two. I would have loved that, but I got into it. What was I? I was like grade five, grade six. So you can make the argument, and a lot of people do. There's what culture wrestling is really good on YouTube. They're great. Um, Parts Fun Known is another one that they do really good little videos, little retrospectives. Wrestling with Regret. There's lots of channels. They're I all f- follow this Twitter page and it's wrestling blunders or wrestling... There's a lot of oh, botches. Ups, wrestling botches. Yeah. And it's so funny. They go back to like the old... It's just... Bad, <laughs> yeah, bad. But you could make an argument that the Ruthless Era aggression might have been better, but... The Attitude Era just had better characters. Mm. Like the Attitude Era, ca- the highs of the Attitude Era were higher. Yeah. But generally speaking, the quality of what came after it was better. Because yeah. it was. You had like The Rock, Mankind, Undertaker, Triple H, Austin, Mr. McMahon, was yeah. the bad guy, um, Kane. But you had all these. Kurt Angle came a little bit after that. Chris Jericho. Oh, I never understood the Kane character when I was watching wrestling. I was like, so he's. He's take the his brother. Freaky. Bull, yeah, and I was like, so he's the freaky bald dude, but he's also the guy with the mask and the long hair. Yeah, they, yeah, they, that is a bit of inconsistency. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> but they had all the characters, like the highs at the really top end main event. Yeah, end of the card were awesome. Yeah, but everything else or that below it was a bit ordinary. And then after that, it kind of evened out a little bit, and the quality top to bottom was a bit yeah. better. I always wonder what my fa- I don't really ever remember watching wrestling with people. I'd always. On Friday nights, there used to be... Saturday nights used to have... Um, on Foxtel. On, fr- on Friday nights, it was Raw and then SmackDown. Yep. I think Raw was obviously on a Wednesday, but Friday nights, they basically had from three to six, Raw, Raw SmackDown, and I would basically go home. For some reason, I was home alone on Friday nights. I don't know why, but I from like, till like seven o'clock. Everyone just left the house. And like yeah, I don't know. I, wrestling I again. cannot pick why I was home, home alone, but I would watch wrestling every Friday night. It was unbelievable. I loved it. I like when you hear wrestlers like Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash is great when he does the shoot interviews on mm-hmm. YouTube. He's really funny, just telling funny stories, and he's a pretty sort of pretty clever guy. Yeah. Um, and he talks about like Raw, and he's like, and Nitro as well when it went to three hours. He mm-hmm. goes, it's just too long. Mm. You just think about it. He goes, you're writing a Lord of the Rings movie every week. Because it's too long. And then you're yeah. writing a two-hour show. For the, they do it on a Tuesday yeah. to air on a Friday. Yeah. Because then you're doing a two-hour show as well. He goes, it's just too much. So it's like everyone, like even big, big wrestling fans, like I don't watch the shows, haven't watched them for years, yeah. are like, it's fucking too long. Yeah. 
But you chuck on something like this Broken Skull Sessions, fucking A, I'll sit there and eat it up. <laughs> I'll sit there and listen to them talk about classic stories from, you know, working Tallahassee back in 99 or something. <laughs> and like, like the Undertaker would be like, uh, he'd be like, uh, remember Duluth? 98, and, and Stone Cold goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 it's brilliant. You're just like, tell me this story. Tell me this story. I don't care about it. Unpack it, unpack it, unpack it. Come on, it. let's go. Let's talk about it. Let's dig, 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 dig. <laughs> um, so, look, I very much enjoyed it. Broken Skull, just in general. Yeah. It's just a good no, series. Sounds um, very interesting. He's, he's fun to listen to. And when he's got a good guest, that obviously makes it better as well. Mm. Um, just quickly, we'll wrap up. We'll do, what was your pick of the week this week? My pick of the week would be 30 for 30. Yep. Uh, Chasing Tyson. Big fan. I think that's a good pick. Yeah. I think that is a good pick. Yeah. Um, my pick of the week is Mank. Mank. Look that's forward right. to it. And look, it is a bit, use the word again, it is a bit niche. Yep. Um, but if it's in your wheelhouse, I think you, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and then just to close off, because this is our last episode for the year, we'll probably re- reconvene you know, second or third week of January. Yeah, probably. Play it by year. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go through quick picks of the year yeah yeah i um, had three major picks right hit me pick number one yeah is this like the best is pick number one the no best i didn't put them in any order as such i thought right. next year i actually might keep like a tally yeah i might have like a ladder yeah yeah so the three that we pick each week i'll put them into a ladder yeah so i'll, I'll have like a top a rolling yeah top five yeah um which make this which makes this end of the show <laughs> a, a lot easier because I'd completely forgotten what I watched. Yeah. Um, so in no order, yeah. my three picks of the year, yeah. honourable mention to something I genuinely enjoyed, the new Killers album. Uh-huh. Class Action Park has to get a mention because yeah. I don't think I've enjoyed watching something in the moment yeah. more than I did Class <laughs> Action Park, which is yeah. fantastic. The Comedy Store... Uh-huh. which was uh, a really good watch five-part docu-series, which was absolutely outstanding. I love that to bits. Yep. And i got to go with it, Will. Feel Like I Do by Vin Diesel. That has to get <laughs> right. He's actually released a new song. Oh, boy. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I'll just bring it up. What was it called? Vin Diesel. He's got a new song. And, mate, I've got to be brutally honest with you. It's not horrendous. It's a bit like Feel Like I Do. It's not great. Mm. It's, like it's, it's actually far from good. But it's not... Awful, unlistenable garbage. Yeah. Uh, Days are gone. Days are gone. So he's got two songs, Feel Like I Do and Days Are Gone. Nice. They're a bit like Diet Pitbull. Diet Pitbull, okay. Um, so they're, they're my three key picks of the year. I'll probably, you know what will happen? I'll probably I'll wake up in the middle of the night tonight and be like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Like something genuinely good. I'm going to spice it up. I'm going to have two amazing picks. And my third pick will be the worst pick of the year. How do you feel about that? I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to have three picks, but I'm going to have two amazing picks, one worst pick. Oh, yeah, cool. I saw, I kind of did that. What's your, what, off the top of your head, worst pick for you? Oh, worst pick? Yeah. Oh, Moonbase 8. Well, Probably. My worst pick of the year, Space Force. Yeah. Fuck that. I, I, I can't remember watching something that I was just so incredibly disinterested yeah, in. Yeah, same. I th- there's something else I couldn't quite remember. It was Moonbase 8 and something else I shit on, but I just can't remember what it was. But Moonbase 8 was like fucking so ordinary. Yeah. Um, my top two, one very close to your heart, Hot Rod. Perfect. Um, I'd probably put that at number one. 
I just it's just good and fun. Mate, it's a classic. Hilarious. It's an absolute classic. We could go on about it for hours. Um and something that you probably won't agree with, but for me, top two, Juice World, Legends. Oh my like, what? I listen to that out to parts of that album once a week. Easy. Jesus. I it was one of the best things I listened to all year. Um I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that album. What about Takashi Six Nine? No, I just I consumed his music. Okay, um, but Juice World and he's still getting little features released and whatnot. Obviously, there's just been so many. Has he done an album? It was the it was that Legends Never Die album was the last album he did. Okay, it was posthumous. Oh, sorry, I've confused him with someone else. Yes. No. I I've confused him with the Kid, Kid Leroy. Leroy. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Juice World posthumous album. Yes. Legends Never Die. Yes, you were very big on this. Yes. Uh, big, big, big fan. Um, so there are there are top and bottom three. Top two, bottom one. Yeah, maybe that's the format, isn't it? That's what I mean. Like, I think for next year, that rolling ladder yeah. is a cool way to kind of go, this is the bottom three. Yes, definitely. And then you're like, this is like the top five, and we can kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good way to do it. Mm. But no, look, we've had some fun today. We've had some fun this year. Um, thank you very much for tuning in and listening. Thank you very much for getting in touch as you do. Yeah. Um, on the Watchlist Weekly on Twitter. Uh, Willie P on Twitter. On and, and on Instagram. And on Instagram. And the Watchlist Weekly on Instagram as well. Um, I've been a little bit more active. Have you? Almost. Do- clearly you haven't been looking at the stories. Oh, then. Generally do, you, do, do you even follow? Yeah, I, g- I generally have the footy club. Uh, Insta yes. open. Yes, yes, yes. When I, oh, and, I and you get lost. Yeah. Because you, you sort do. of like, you know, it, I've done it like the last couple of days where you go, oh, I'm actually not in my <laughs> Instagram. You're like, yeah. it, there was that moment I was Com- <laughs> commenting things. No, there was that moment head of, like, head of media going, oh, what? I was scrolling through like the feed and I'm like, who the fuck are these people? Where's all my shit? <laughs> I was like, where are people I know? Yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, but no, look, we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, we'll hope to catch you again next year, I suppose. Yeah, hopefully next year that um, creepy-looking cobweb above your head. I left it. I was going to take <laughs> it. Genuinely, I was going to take it down last night. But I went, nah. Nah. It's, it's gotten lower and lower each yeah. week and it's freaking me out. It'll be here. It'll be just above my head. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it over the weekend. I was genuinely, I was like, Oh one more. God. I'll leave it up one more. Disgusting. But Will, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sean. It's been a pleasure this you year. Never Good Christmas, I suppose. Yeah, have a good Christmas. Go away camping. So it's probably going to be like post 20th of Jan. Yeah, whatever. Because starting a new job and camping and a break, so. It'll actually be not bad. We might actually be able to do, we could potentially earmark WandaVision. Yes. For the first ep. Come back and release it. Yeah. yeah that'll yeah, be that's the a great call. That'll be the 15th. So we'll, you know, we'll 15th have of what? Jan. I'm away camping. No, but like after that. Correct, yes. Like that'll be out. Yes, yes, we'll yes, be able yes, to talk yes, about yes, that yes, on the yes, first ep. Um, that sounds like a plan. Excellent. Thanks so much Thank for you. Sean Peter Bunch. Thank you. For Thank Will you Peters. from me. Will Peters, I'll see you soon. We'll catch you next time. Catch you next year. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. So long.